There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and he was a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and hated evil. There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, ten children. Powerful. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-donkeys, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for the three sisters to eat and drink with them. It's a tight-knit family. When brothers and sisters call each other for dinner, it's a tight-knit family. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> and it was so that in the days of their feasting, when they were gone out, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job was so uh, focused on trying to make sure his kids were right that it actually turned into something fearful. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan said to him, From going to and fro through the earth, walking up and down in it. He's a worthless devil. He's just going around trying to look at what he can get into. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and hates evil? Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? In other words, yeah, he knew who Job was, and he knew that God had protected him. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Look at the devil. He says, I want you to touch him so I can have somebody to blame. And God said to him, Behold, all that he hath is in your power. You can touch whatever he's got. Only upon himself or his life put forth not your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to us about finding God in our interruptions. And we're going to look now at Job chapter 23 because uh, we see one story being told in the first chapter of Job, and uh, we see into the life of Job. He's a blessed man. He is a, he's a perfect man. He loves God. He hates evil, and he's very wealthy and very blessed. In Job chapter 23, though, we see a different side of Job's life. Amen. Then Job answered and said, Job 23 verse 1, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Now listen to what Job is saying. You see, Job has now been touched. 
The hedge has been down, and everything's been touched that can be touched except for his life. And now he is saying, uh, yeah, I've got a bitter complaint. I've taken some strokes. I've taken some hard things. Oh, that I knew where I might find God, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Isn't that something? Job says, I've got some things I want to ask God about, and I've got some things that I'm not sure that I'm in agreement with. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Will he plead against me with this great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There is, excuse me, there the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. Backward, and I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where doth he work? I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, he shall come forth, I shall come forth as gold. When he has tried me, I know one thing for sure, that he is going to bring me forth as gold. The end result of this season of my life is going to be that I come forth more valuable than I went into it with. Job, it appears, had a very structured and orderly and blessed life. Would you agree that the first reading lets us know that he was blessed, he was orderly, he was structured, he knew what he was doing in life, amen, he was a blessed man, and he had the favor of God upon him, and I'm certain that he had plans and dreams for his future and his family and his fortune, amen, but as we read today, Job was the focal point of a conversation between God. God and Satan. He was the focal point between God and Satan's exchange, uh, considering his life. And when God said, have you considered my servant Job? He was saying to him, I've got a man that loves me and he, he honors me with his life. And Job uh, was this focal point. He had absolutely no idea, however, what was about to touch his life. There's no way that Job could have calculated or expected what was about to happen. Uh, he was just sailing along, if we can say it that way, and everything was going just on schedule. And there's no way he could have been prepared or planned for the events that were to soon uh, take place. As so many times is the case in life, God is found in the interruptions of our life and not our plans. We all have plans, 
Amen. You all have plans. We all have the way mapped out in our life how things should turn out and how we want things to go. And we have dreams and goals and things that we think God's going to do and bless. And he has blessed us. And I thank God today for his blessings in my life and in your life and in this house. But there, there needs to be a revelation and an understanding, amen, that God, amen, is a God of interruptions. Job 23.3 says that Job said, I wish I knew where I could find him. Job knew where God was. Job, uh, amen, had relationship with God. He loved God. He feared God, and he hated evil, and he didn't want to be associated with anything uh, that would offend God's heart. Amen. And so, amen, he was a man who loved and pleased God. But now we read of a different Job in Job 23 where he's saying, I wish I knew where I could find that God. I wish I knew where I could find the God of all my plans and my dreams and everything that I had mapped out and I thought was going to happen just like I had mapped out and how I had planned. But listen to what he says. I, I would order my cause before him. I would, I would tell God how he's made some mistakes. I could tell God how that if he would have just did this and this differently, things would have turned out better for me. That's what he's saying. I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would tell God, God, if you would have just helped me here and not been somewhere where I could not locate you, things would have turned out different for me in this situation. might sound something like this. Now, God, you've really messed up my plans. We're way off script. Have you ever found your life off script? Off your day planner? Off the way you thought it was going to turn out and the way this situation you had envisioned to, to turn out, just somehow uh, an interruption came and uh, things were immediately thrown off course. I had everything set in my family and my friends and my fortune. Uh, my future was mapped out. Uh, I knew what was going to happen in my home and in my family. And Job said, and I'm paraphrasing, God wouldn't even consider my plans he didn't hear me out and he couldn't get God to negotiate with him <laughs> many times I found that our prayers are simply negotiation it, 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 there's different levels of prayer many times we walk in and and give God our our list of things that we expect, the way we think things are going to turn out and should turn out because, uh, after all, we've already calculated it into our future and this is the way. We want it to go because this is predictable. Job said, I, I couldn't even get God to negotiate with me. I couldn't even find him. 
Instead of considering my plans, he strengthened me to handle the interruption. When God doesn't jump to our whim and do everything we think he should be doing, you can rest assured that he's in the middle of trying to talk to us through an interruption, and he wants to give you the strength to handle the interruption as opposed to twisting things around to make God fit what we want him to do. He said, I go forward. God is not there. I look backward and I can't perceive God. And on the left, where he works, and I can't behold him. And on the right, he hides himself. Now, I ask you a question. Do you really think God was hiding from Job? He was playing a game of hide and seek, trying to just give Job a mental breakdown? Absolutely not. What Job meant was this, God isn't in my plans. He won't let me figure him out right now because he has evidently a plan that is bigger than I am. He knows the way that I take and his purpose for taking a different way than me and allowing me to walk with him through faith is that he wants me to come through this trial and this interruption, amen, like gold. More valuable than I was when I went into it. God is using this interruption to reveal himself to me and to refine me in the process. God is not playing some sick game with us when he interrupts our life with a situation that is bigger than us, that doesn't fit our plan, that doesn't fit our script. God is working so that we will look for him in the interruption. Bible says the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. He blessed his latter end more than his beginning, and he died being old and full of days. You see, this sandwich, if you'll allow me to call it that, is a beginning that is perfect, blessed, prosperous, full of things. And then Job goes through an interruption in his life where the enemy is allowed to shake things up and God let it happen. He let the interruption happen because he had a plan for Job that was bigger than just being blessed. God wanted Job to have a revelation of who he was. And so sometimes God will let an interruption come to our life. We have no understanding of why or where or how in the world could God let this happen, but he lets it happen. So we'll dig in the revelation of that interruption to try to find more of God. And then he lets us see at the end, Job is old and full of days and everything's been restored double. It only came because Job handled God's interruption correctly. Job didn't get bitter. Job didn't start accusing God falsely. He said, I got some arguments. I got some things I don't understand. I don't know where you're at, God, but I'm not going to get bitter. You know, Job's wife chose that path. 
She's the one that said, hey, Joe, what in the world are we doing? I thought God loved us. I thought God was for us. I thought God was all on our side. I thought God was here to make, make us happy. God is not here to just make us happy. God is here to bring us to a place of great revelation of who he is. And he allows things uh, as messengers and vehicles uh, to come into our lives uh, so that we will understand who he is uh, instead of considering, uh, amen, our plans. Job's uh, wife said this to Job, why don't we just curse God and die, Job? You're sitting here with boils. You've got all kind of problems. You can't even pray and find God. Just curse him and die. Have you ever had an interruption so deep and so uh, intense uh, that you felt like, you know what, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I can't even find God anyway. It's quiet, but I hope you're understanding that this is sometimes how life works. There are interruptions uh, that cause us to question, where are you, God? Just curse God and die. Just go out and live like everyone else. What's the use of trying to serve God anyhow? She did not see God in the interruption. She wanted to curse God and die. Just get it over with. Forget God. But Job somehow kept his God perspective. Job said to her, and again, I'm paraphrasing, can we only serve God when he blesses us? Let me ask that question to us today. Do we only have a shout and a praise when God's blessing us? Do we only have a God perspective that's about this big, that we think God owes us everything, every blessing, every great day? Now, before you get confused, I'm not saying God's not a blessing God. God is a blessing God, or none of us would be here. We're blessed beyond measure. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when interruption comes, uh, amen, our praise has to be two-sided. Not only am I here to bless God when he bless, praise God when he blesses me, but I'm here to praise God when I can't find him. Some of us live very shallow. We think we, oh, whoo, hallelujah, the the close spot at Walmart opened up right when I was driving by and I pulled in. Isn't God good? Woo! What's our response when we got to park 37 spaces on out? Where is God? I can't believe this, man. This place is packed. I'll just be real with you. We sit there and we're watching. I wonder if all the people in the handicapped spot are handicapped. Now, you don't have to admit it, but you know you've sat there and looked. Sometimes they're passing those passes out, and I, I, God forbid I'm not for somebody that's handicapped, somebody that needs it. God bless them. Amen. But you know what I'm saying. We grumble all the way to the door. I can't believe I had to park in row four or spot 42. 
And thank God, I'm just going to say it. Thank God for the online order and pick it up. For the people who need it. But for the people too lazy to get out and get a cart and go get the stuff, they've taken up 47 more spots. Yeah, y'all clapping because you, you feel that way. All right. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd think out loud for you all. You don't get to preach very often. So. Yeah. <laughs> God. Where are you? Sometimes we think, oh, I can praise the Lord when that spot opens up. I can praise the Lord when I get a raise. Oh, God, you're so good. But let a little adversity come. And our praise well just dries up to a, a trickle. Job said, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I praised God when I was blessed. And when those kids were living. And when those camels were walking. And when those oxen were plowing. And I'm not about to turn my back on God. Because the same God that's allowed this interruption to come to my life is the same God who was blessing me before. I got news for you. I'm still blessed. I'm just being blessed in a different way. Amen. Just trust me on this one. If God's allowed an interruption to come to your life, you're just as blessed as you were when the blessings were flowing. Amen. You just can't perceive it the right way because it doesn't look the same. How in the world am I just as blessed? Because now, now the interruption has caused me to dig for God. I don't read of him looking for God in chapter 1, but I sure read of him looking for God. Where are you, God? I look for him on the left. I look for him on the right. God wasn't playing hide and seek. He was just saying, hey, Job, amen, don't lose your hunger because I'm the source of your blessing." Or to be honest, we would probably admit we don't like interruptions. We don't like surprises. Interruptions are considered rude, inappropriate, obnoxious, lack social graces. Interruptions interfere with our plans, our schedules. You know, the older I get, the more it becomes apparent that all interruptions are not bad. Hello, you ever been caught by a train and be sitting there just grinding your teeth like I've got 13 places to be right now. But then you go up the road about a mile and a half and you see 
two cars that have crashed into each other. Somebody ran a red light and hit somebody at the intersection. And now quickly you should be able to say, you know what? That was probably supposed to be me. But God let a train go in front of me to interrupt my path and interrupt my day for just a moment. What I saw as an inconvenience was really God interrupting me to save me. And so we need to understand that our interruptions many times are God allowing things to come. That's why 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, in everything give thanks. He didn't say for everything. Everything's not good that happens. But he said in it. In the interruption, in the inconvenience of the interruption, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. In your plans and in your interruptions, give God thanks. Amen. Lord, the more I discover that God is more in my interruptions than he is my plans. Let me say that again. The longer I live, the more I realize God is more in my interruptions than my plans. Moses, you're 80 years old, tending your father-in-law's sheep, herds. You're on the backside of the desert. Now, the desert's bad, but the backside, that's really desolate. He's out there tending his father-in-law's sheep and herds. The Bible says that he sees a bush on fire. and I'm certain that it's not uncommon to see a bush on fire, tumbleweed on fire in the desert with the heat. But something was different because the Bible says that the bush was not being consumed. And Moses noticed that about the bush. And the Bible says that he said to himself, because this bush is not consumed, I'm going to turn aside and go over to that bush. I've seen other fires. I've seen other bushes that have been on fire, but I've just walked on by because I could see, amen, the smoke rising and the limbs uh, falling to the ground on fire and the ashen uh, results of that fire. But this bush is still burning and nothing is happening to the bush. I think I'll go check it out. You see, what it really was is it was God in the bush That he was revealing himself to Moses. Moses, you've been out here a long time, but this time it's different. And because you took the effort and made the effort to turn aside and come over and consider the bush, I'm going to start talking to you out of the bush. Now that's the real miracle. That God used a burning bush to talk to Moses. You see, it was God's way of interrupting Moses out of his daily routine, 
out of his common practice and out of his schedule, amen, out of his taking care of the herds. And Moses, uh, amen, was preparing to take care of these, and he noticed this bush was not being consumed, and he said, I will now turn aside and see why this bush is not consumed. Now look what it says. This is very powerful. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4. And when the Lord saw, everyone say when the Lord saw. Moses saw the bush not being consumed, but God wasn't going to say anything to him as long as Moses would have just kept on walking and passing it by. But the moment Moses decided, you know what, this is an interruption. I got I to gotta get over here and take a minute. The moment Moses did that, the Bible says the Lord saw that he turned aside and the Lord called unto him out of the bush or out of the interruption because Moses decided to not miss this interruption in his life. God says, I'm going to speak to you out of this interruption. Yeah. If we're not careful, we will only see our interruptions as natural occurrences. Oh, my hot water tank blew up. I was in an accident. Had to go to the hospital. Natural occurrences. Yes, they are happening in the natural. But if they're an interruption, we need to take the time to ask God, Lord, what are you trying to say to me in my interruption? What is this situation trying to speak to me? I'm not going to just walk through life ignoring God's trying to interrupt me, amen, and get so focused on my schedule, my plans, and my goals that I don't recognize God, amen, in the things that I uh, naturally see and I'm going through. God is in them, and I need to take the time to stop and say, God, what are you trying to say to me through this interruption? feel like the Holy Ghost is saying to somebody here today, many of us, I've been trying to speak to you through an interruption, but you're only getting frustrated because your plans don't seem to be working out. Could it be that we're so focused on our plans working out that we're missing God interrupting our plans to talk to us? And to speak to us. You're not going to find me in your plans. You're going to find me in your interruption. You know what we need to start doing? Speaking to the interruption. And it will start speaking back to you. Not the problem, but the God in the problem. In the interruption, you're going to find revelation. You're going to find purpose. 
you're going to find direction. You're going to find a new identity. But you're going to have to look for me in your interruption. I don't know anyone in the Bible whose life was more interrupted than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Consider this. She was just a pure-spirited Jewish girl, a virgin, had great future, just been espoused to Joseph, just been in a situation where she was ready to get married. She was hand-selected to be Joseph's wife. Everything's going perfect. All of her plans are good. And the next thing she knows, Gabriel's standing in front of her. The archangel, the same Mary, good news. You've been hand-selected to be the mother of the Messiah. But guess what it's going to cost you, Mary? It's going to cost you that clean reputation. It's going to cost you everyone thinking you're pure and good. It might even cost you your marriage to Joseph. What do you think about that? Be it unto me according to your will. You see, Mary could have heard that salutation from Gabriel and clammed up and said, nah, my life's going too good. Everything's cool. Maybe there's another virgin. Maybe there's somebody else. But she said, no, be it unto me. I recognize this as a God interruption. And I'm good with it, no matter what it costs me. I don't know anyone in the Bible more interrupted than Mary. The Savior of the world is going to be born in Mary's womb. Listen to Mary's response. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. But not until she had a conversation. It's okay. I'm willing to let this interruption have its purpose in my life. You know an interruption is from God when it changes the course of your life and continues to interrupt you. Who's here today that you've had interruptions in your life? You've had situations that have come Oh, they come in all kinds of packages, vary in magnitude, but God is speaking in all of them. What is he saying? Many times our first response to the interruption is, why? Why are you messing up my plans? Mary said, how could this thing be? 
But the real question to an interruption should be, what is your purpose, God? What are your plans, God? What about your character and nature that you're trying to be formed in me? God, be it unto me according to your will. Musicians, you can come. Maybe your interruption has come as a loss. None of us like loss. Amen? Loss is painful. Loss is a great interruption, no matter what you're talking about. Loss of a job, loss of a loved one. Loss of a position, a role, place of ministry. Place that we had already calculated how it was all going to turn out, only to find it isn't turning out that way. What we need to be asking is, God, where are you in this interruption? And what is your purpose?